it's a challenge. We're caught between uh, being able to support what we know, what we trust, what we're confident with, and maybe there's a whole lot that we don't know. Maybe there's a whole lot we don't understand that we can't even control that makes it difficult for us to be generous. To help us understand this, I want to take us to a story uh, in Mark chapter 5. It's one of my favorite stories. And again, it's the kind of story that is, two, is a twofer. <laughs> there's two stories right uh, next to each other, and I think it's meant to be told different. So turn with me in your Bible uh, to Mark chapter 5. You can scroll in your phone and take out your pew Bible. It's right there. We won't be putting up any of the Bible verses on the screen, so I, I invite you to dig in and get to know your own word. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Here's what we got to know. Where Jesus is, there's always a crowd. Always. There's always a crowd when Jesus is around. Uh, we heard it in the previous stories that I told in the children's story that, yeah, there was a crowd of people that were making it difficult uh, for that paralytic and his friends to get to Jesus. And the same thing is true right now. They have just crossed back over the lake. And there you go. There's a crowd, crowd ready to meet Jesus. Now, who's in this crowd? Do you know who's in this crowd? The disciples are part of this crowd. These are, these are believers. They're excited to see Jesus. These are people uh, who, who, who trust in him, who want to know him. This is not a crowd of bad people. This is a crowd of good people. These are, this is a crowd of trustworthy people. They, they, they're at the right place at the right time for the right reasons. So Jesus gets off the boat and there is this crowd. Reading on verse 22, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed, healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Yeah, so there's always a crowd when Jesus is there, but guess what? Love always ready to act. Love is always on point to respond regardless of what is happening in that environment, in the crowd. And here's what's truly interesting. When we, when we look at this story in the other pericopes, when we look at it in Matthew, when we look at it in Luke, there's a sequence here that happens every single time. The, the, the uh, gospel writer lets us know that there's a crowd surrounding Jesus, but Jairus, <laughs> It's as if there is no crowd for Jairus. Jairus is, a, is known, he's familiar, he has good standing in the community. Jairus is able to come right through that crowd, prostrate before Jesus, no problem. You know, Jairus is like Dr. Luxon, like Dr. Nixon. They're a known person in the community, in good standing. People want to do good and right by Jairus. This is, this is a good person. He has no problem, no challenge getting right to Jesus. Let's go on. So a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. <laughs> when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Here's the thing about a crowd. A crowd can make it difficult 
to get to Jesus. They're well-meaning, well-intentioned. They, they want to be close to him. But this, this lady is struggling. She needs Jesus. And guess what? The crowd is getting in the way. And she says to herself, you know, I may not be able to get right beside him. I may not even be able to hold his hand. He may not even be able to speak to me. But she says, if I could just, if I could just touch the edge of his garment, if I could just touch the fringe of his garment, just, if I could just touch just a little, just a tassel of his robe, what? I, I bet you I could be healed. And here's the thing. Love is always within reach. Isn't that the truth? The crowd may make it difficult to get close to Jesus, but guess what? Love is always within reach. So immediately after she touched Jesus, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out for him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples Seeing, seeing the crowding against, she says, you see the disciples, you see these people, they're crowding. Who, what do you mean, who touched my clothes? And here's, here's what's interesting. The crowd is actually responsible for creating these kinds of fringe people, for creating these kinds of fringe groups. It was the crowd that made it possible for her to only be able to touch the fringe of Jesus' garment. It was the crowd that created that, that person. I, I, I want to spend a little time here. I'm going to ask Dr. Clifford Goldstein to help me to unpack what I mean uh, by this. In our Liberty Magazine, our issue for March and April, there's a, a number of really great articles, great Sabbath afternoon reading. In there, there's an article by Dr. Goldstein called The Othering. And this is what he has to say. Othering can be defined as the process of perceiving or portraying someone or something as fundamentally different or alien. That is, othering is identity politics, but in reverse. Instead of people singling out themselves and their religious, ethnic, sexual, and social status to form an exclusive political alliance, someone else, often with less than the best of intentions, does the singling out for you defining you almost exclusively through the ethnic, religious, sexual, or social status that makes you different, that makes you the other. I think one of the greatest dangers in Christianity today is that we've allowed partisanship to hide the gospel. The minute that we feel that something's too political, we set it aside. That's just politics. That's not gospel. We've bought into this othering of other groups. He goes on to say, in the, 16th, in the 16th century, the British used to refer to syphilis as the French pox, though it also became known as the Polish disease, the Spanish disease, the Neapolitan disease, or the English disease. In each case, the idea was to blame the sickness on someone else, that is, the other. The linguistics of othering can often be more subtle. Even a word as apparently benign as foreigner, from a term that originally meant in Latin, out of door, came to mean of other countries. To say someone is a foreigner, foreigner implies someone not from us, not from here, something, someone different. It is, even if meant innocently, 
a subtle form of making a distinction between oneself and the other. Now, he, he's, he's not illusioned at all. He understands there's a natural tendency for us to want to other other people. He goes on to say, othering in one sense is natural. We exist as individuals, and no matter how cohesive uh, any group we belong to, we still distinguish between ourselves and others. And of course, we at times will find ourselves in opposition or even conflict with others, regardless of how close they might be. The crowd really does create those others. The crowd really does uh, make these fringe groups come alive. We don't, we don't do it on purpose sometimes. It's just, it's, it's, it's easier. It's easier for us. He goes on to say this. It all depends upon degree and context. Homo homini lupus goes a Latin proverb. A man is a wolf to another man. Uh, Othering is all about power and control. We other others in order to make ourselves seem better than we really are. And that, in turn, justifies our dominance over them. And that, my dear friends, is the sin problem, isn't it? It's upsetting power structures. When we really just be focused on, on one, the all-powerful one. It, it's easy, though, for a crowd to create a sense of the other but it's not all lost. He goes on to say, othering doesn't, however, always have to be negative. Philosopher Emmanuel Levinas built a philosophy on the concept of the other, but sought to extract from it an ethic of responsibility and obligation, especially when the other needed our help. His idea could be expressed by a Jewish proverb. It says, the other's material needs are my spiritual needs. Huh. Could you imagine if that's how we understood the others? If we understood that the other's need was my spiritual need. In other words, to take care of the other's needs is also to take care of my spiritual needs. We, you know, we've been talking about praying for the Holy Spirit daily and for it to fill us. And Pastor Dwight has been right in urging us that let's pray that the Holy Spirit but let's fills us, but that we in turn take what we've been filled with and share it with others. The crowd creates the others, but here's the gospel. That love, love is for everyone. It's, it's, it's all inclusive. It's for the whole world. For God so loved the world. That's what Christianity is about. Love for everyone. So let's continue in our story. Uh, Verse 36, Jesus sees her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. He left the crowd behind him. And here's, 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 here's why he left the crowd. Sometimes, here's what happens to the crowd. The crowd may be close, but out of touch with power. The crowd may be close, but out of touch with power. Everyone that was close to Jesus right there and then had no sense of Jesus' 
power except this woman who sat on the fringe, who was on the outside, who was that lady that just no one, the outcast that nobody wanted. But here's the reality. Even though the crowd may miss the power that Jesus has, here's the reality of love. Love, quite simply, has an abundance of power. Love has no limits into how much power it can pass on from one person to the next. We always gotta, we always gotta ask God for more because he's got so much to give. And guess what? The world is in need of so much love. Let's not get caught up in the crowd and forget who it is that we journey with. So Jesus, Jesus left. Jesus left that crowd behind. He took Peter, James, and John and went forward. So the child, uh, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? He arrives at Jairus' house and suddenly there are loads of people there and they are crying. They are, they are sad with Jairus. The, the poor 12-year-old girl has died. And here's what's funny is that the crowd sometimes pretends to understand. They miss the point entirely. They, they, they don't see it in the same way that Jesus sees it. So Jesus leaves one crowd to enter another crowd. And I want to put this slide up, not to the crowd, maybe close, but the next two over. God, yell, here we go. Yes. Advance the slide. Advance the slide. Here we go. Next one. There you go. The crowd lacks spiritual vision for present realities. I'm telling you, Jesus arrives, he sees this crowd, and what they see is very different than what Jesus sees. So guess what he does? He tells the crowd, go away. Shut your mouth, basically. Be quiet. Go away. And then he walks into the room of that young girl. And, and this, is, this is what's exciting about Jesus. He says, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead but sleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talith kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. His gave, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Because what? guess what? The dead don't eat. He was giving extra testimony to verify that she was alive. Only the living are able to eat. The crowd lacked the spiritual vision to see what could happen in that present reality because here, here's what's true about love. Love always, in every context, revives broken hearts. That's the opportunity that love sees. When Jesus walked into that space, he didn't see the same thing that everybody else in that crowd saw. He saw something completely different. Here's the challenge that we face, guys. It's really easy to stand with and respond to and engage with what we know, with what's, with what's familiar. The, there, there are plenty of gyruses in our environment, right? There are plenty of people who have good standing. And when they ask for something, guess what? We're there to respond. It's, it's easy. Is, is God's love and care for them, for the gyruses in our Yes. Yes, it is. But here's the other thing too. 
Is God's love big enough for those people who are on the fringe? Is God's love big enough for those people who are, who are the outcasts, who are forgotten, for those people who have no home, who have no standing, and whose story you may not be familiar with? Is God's love big enough for them? Yeah, it really, truly is. So this is our moment and our time to say to ourselves, to ourselves what kind of crowd will we be? A crowd is, crowd is not a bad thing. There's, there's no shaming happening with this crowd, but what we can learn as we look at the crowd that follows Jesus, especially in this story, is that we ought to be honest with ourselves. There are, there are limits. There are limits that make it sometimes hard for us to see the love that can actually happen. What Jesus modeled is that he has his arms wide open for those that are known, for those that are familiar, for those who have great standing. And he has those, his arms wide open for those who are less known, less familiar, and maybe don't have great standing. His love is for all and for all in between that space. I'm really confident that you have someone in your life that is difficult to love. If you're being honest with yourself, maybe it's someone who's hurt you. Maybe it's someone who has brought some harm to you or your children and your family. And it's been, and it's been difficult to love. But here's the thing. If, if you don't ask God to show you how you can love that person, you're just one of those crowd people who's close but has no access to power, who, who, who looks at a reality but is missing that spiritual lens. And I don't, do you want to be that kind of crowd? Or do you want to be the kind of crowd that makes a way for the gyruses in the world, but also for those people who, who are on the fringe? Instead of crowding around Jesus and making it hard for them to get to him, why don't we give them the same kind of access? Why don't we open the way for love to be manifested in their life? That's the kind of crowd I want to be a part of. And that's the kind of crowd that I think you guys want to be a part of. But let's be, let's be truthful. There's some people that are hard to love. And we just got to ask Jesus, Lord, help me to love like you love. Help me to care like you care. Help me to see people the way that you see people. Help me to understand the work that your power can do in my life through me to help other people in their lives. I, wanna, I want to be that kind of crowd, one that not only walks with Jesus, but reflects the kind of love that Jesus has. Pray with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for the testimony of your word. I am so thankful for this story that that shows us very clearly that you are exceptional. You have a unique way of being able to open your arms wide to those who are known and familiar and to those who are less known and less familiar. God, you love them all. So help us, Father, in our own hearts. Help us in our own hearts to have the same kind of love, the kind of love that has our arms wide open, ready to receive, embrace, and bless all who you put in our path. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.